0: Thank you for joining us for this season of We Will Flourish, conversations and stories of flourishing together in Oklahoma City. We Will Flourish is not a newsreel of current events or knowledge base of data or statistics. Rather, it is a tapestry woven from human stories and perspectives, helping us both to celebrate our successes as a city and learn from our mistakes. In this season of We Will Flourish, we are taking time to unpack flourishing as a city, from a personal perspective.
1: Our city and our nation can't move forward well because we lack the roundness and the beauty that comes from diverse perspectives.
0: So, early in our conversation, Scotia, you referenced this image and this idea of the table. So, um, and I think of the table, we think of a place where we're gathering to have conversation. Um, And you think about the home and community, but you also think about the table as it relates to decision making as well, the table. And so, uh, in Oklahoma City, from your guys' perspective, where are we falling short at having? a diverse representation at the table needed to make the change we want to see?
1: I'll uh, I'll try to take a stab at that. Um, I think that most of the tables lack diversity. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm having a hard time thinking of one that doesn't. Mm. Probably in the area of the arts Mm. would be one that I would say is natural has a natural affinity to include diverse voices but um when i think of the table of decision making i'm having a really hard time thinking of any yeah, of right. them and i think that that's part of the challenge that we right. face is that we don't have because we don't have diverse representation those who are able to be at the table who were born at the table who mm-hmm. you know the table sits in their backyard. One, don't realize how far someone has to travel mm. from a different perspective to even sit at that table. And I, um, with my diverse group of friends, I jokingly say, you know, we show up at these tables of decision making and we look polished and we, mm-hmm. you know, we speak articulately and we have things to contribute um but they don't see mm. our counterparts don't see that we're bleeding from a very long and painful and dangerous mm. journey to get to the table and so yeah. and don't want to see it they don't want to see the scrapes and so then you have to like you're bleeding and you're covering up a little bit mm. so that you can be heard on the subject that you came to the table to discuss so um i think that without This concept of sharing leadership, sharing um, perspective, co-leading, co-creating, our city and our nation can't move forward well um, because we lack the roundness and the beauty that Mm -hmm. comes from diverse perspective. It's not just to like give a nod to someone from a different background, it actually enriches what we create together to do it together.
2: Well, if you think about all the different kinds of decision-making tables, government tables, business tables, nonprofit tables, church tables, there's, there's all these different kinds of important institutions that affect And like Scotia, I would say unfortunately most of those tables don't have a whole lot of diversity and if I, I'll just speak for a second about the nonprofit world. Um, I would I would make the argument that any nonprofit organization, which is aiming to help particular populations, say a a marginalized population needs to have uh, at minimum several people on the highest, you know, the highest level of decision-making within that organization who are from the population that the organization is going to serve. So if, if um, we're talking about a nonprofit serving a majority African-American community or majority Latino community or whatever, like there needs to be multiple people from that community that have that ethnic demographic background, on the board. So with some of the work that we've done in South Oklahoma city, our church has helped catalyze some nonprofits. And one of our intentional things was we're not going to start any organizations or any programs to help people until, um, there are enough within our relational network and within our congregation or whatever, um, people who are indigenous leaders from the community to lead it and to steer it, um, that they're really setting the direction. So, you know, more than a decade down the road of of living in the community, working in the community. Now we've started several organizations, um, but there have been so many times in which you've got a, a boardroom conversation and there's all people from all kinds of different backgrounds, all kinds of different parts of the city. And sometimes somebody who has a huge amount to offer maybe is a, uh, you know, let's say it's a white guy from Edmond who is a lawyer or has a lot of business leadership experience. Who's, they're really helping this organization, but they're also steering a conversation that's going in one direction. And then the single mom from the neighborhood or somebody jumps in and it's not, they're not just there so that the photograph looks diverse. They say, I don't think we're understanding what's really happening in the neighborhood. I think this is the reason people aren't coming. Not that, <laughs> or, you know, right. I mean, there was, there was one recently where we were talking about, um, some, some problems that are going on with family engagement and education in the community. And there was a, uh, woman on the board who just, um, spoke and said, Hey, my mom is a poor Hispanic mom from this community. And I grew up and went to school in this community. And I think that the board is underestimating the resilience and creativity of people right now. They are hundred percent committed to it. We need to change the conversation and start brainstorming about how we're going to get them the resources they need, you know, in this situation, instead of talking about Mm -hmm. why there's not the engagement that we want. So that, that was just a, that shifted the whole conversation.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I would say similarly, you know, if, if a business or if a government wants to serve a city, um, that is already, the younger generation is already majority-minority. And um, the whole city is going to be majority-minority before long. There, we need that rich diversity of perspective that are shaping how those conversations are happening in those boardrooms. And I can mention, those. Are, that was a positive example. I can mention a lot of negative examples. Recently, there was an uh, institution of higher learning that had gotten into multiple instances of hot water around race relations. And there was one, you know, administrator who was a great guy who wanted to see change, who sat down uh, just at a breakfast table with a few African-American leaders. And I was in this conversation with them. And, and one of the African-American leaders just looked at this guy and said, and your, your board, your trustees, all your highest administrative people. If I, if I sat down with them and asked them, when's the last time an African-American had dinner in your home or you had dinner in the home of an African-American, um, what would they say? And he said, I think you would see a big room of people looking down at their shoes." not wanting to make eye contact with you. And so that there was this it was this institution, this big institution that was like falling all over themselves to figure out how do we deal with the race relations problem? And not only do they not have people in leadership from the minority community, nobody in leadership even had a close relationship, you know, close enough to be in each other's homes. So the, the point of that is not to like throw stones or condemn. Like there's, there's a lot of history of wh- how we've inherited that situation, but there's gotta be a proactive effort to change that situation if we, if we want the wisdom and the perspective that's necessary to uh, make progress in some of these issues.
1: One of the first things that I look at when I look at engaging in some sort of a partnership with an organization or um, just want to know about them. I immediately like the very first thing I go to the my our team tab and I look and see who's there, and it and it paints a picture and tells a story of who has a voice in that organization and who uh, whose voices are valued and um and and again that's you know that's surfacey, you know mm-hmm. um, it is optics without relationship but. Um, optics do speak messages Mm -hmm. and so um i that's just what like okay so when i go into this situation i will probably be again one of the only women or you know the only african-american in that situation and i have to like prepare myself to go into that in that with that knowledge and kind of discern, okay, where's this group coming from? How much do they know? How far are they in this journey, in this conversation? Um, And I'm probably carrying that by myself when I go into that. So I have that extra set of rocks in my backpack as I come to that table to discuss whatever it is that we're discussing. Um, And uh, the work of having to translate and the, the thinking about whether I'm, you know, understanding what they're saying exactly, Absolutely. like through my lens, and how do I say this in a way that translates for this group? So those are all, you know, those are some of the the things that we carry because we're not used to um, having diverse voices at the table. I'm so glad that that lady felt comfortable and safe enough right. to say. You guys are lacking creativity and and insight because that costs jobs Mm -hmm. in some places. Mm -hmm. And I've experienced speaking up and watching my voice, my value at the table being diminished as I have continued to press the point of you guys aren't seeing and not, you know, so it's good that there is a safe place where someone can Mm -hmm. say that.
2: And I think one just super practical implication of this is sometimes we see a problem. The problem is this 18-year life expectancy gap that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Or the problem is different educational outcomes in schools in this zip code versus that zip code. And then move to how do we solve that problem? Mm -hmm. But often what really needs to happen is step back and say, how do we do the hard work of building relational bridges between the people who have the resources that they think they can solve the problem and the people who are actually affected by it. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, I mentioned the nonprofit world and the education world, but if you just talk about in the church world, so often church people are like, we're supposed to love our neighbor. We're supposed to care for the vulnerable. I see a problem. I'm going to go start serving. Mm. The impulse to serve is a good one. Mm-hmm. But often I would say uh, a wiser step of humility and real love for neighbor would be first ask the question, who are the faithful community leaders who have, have, Um, been living in that community, leading in that community, serving in that community for a long time, that I can go humbly build a relationship with, learn from, and support first. And then maybe out of that year or two or three or 10 investment of relationship, now we can find ways of partnering and serving that are redemptive in a much deeper way.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us for this episode of We Will Flourish. Consider subscribing to our podcast and following us on Instagram at all.flourish. You can also reach out to us through our website, flourishokc.com. We will flourish when we flourish together.